0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Break the Twitch podcast on minimizing distractions and doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro. In this episode, I sit down with my friend, Gigi Berry. She's an entrepreneur, a culture curator, and a true Twin Cities social media icon. We discuss her path from passion to entrepreneurship, how she sparks creativity in her life, her morning routines, self-care, and her drive for philanthropy. I really enjoyed this conversation with Gigi, and I'm sure that you will too. This podcast is brought to you ad-free by the Break the Twitch member community. Members get monthly 21-day audio series, access to a private member-only forum, and a 20-minute one-on-one welcome call with me to show you around the place you can join this amazing intentional living focused online community right now for just $9 per month. Find out more at breakthetwitch.com community. But for now, let's start the show. Gigi. Hi.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome. How's it going?
1: Pretty good.
0: Good. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining uh, for the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks
0: for having me. So uh, let's talk Minnesota. <laughs> I think okay. that feels like a really good starting point because uh, I've been here for 10 years. You said you've been here for six years.
1: Six or seven. I It It gets confusing, but yeah, about that long, yeah.
0: Okay. And what was it that brought you? Actually, I guess, where were you coming from, and
1: what brought you to Minnesota? Well, I actually lived in Atlanta. I was born in Augusta, Georgia. We moved around a bit, but settled in Atlanta. And I was going to school there at Georgia State. Um, While I was going to school there at Georgia State, I worked at Best Buy, a store. Um, a Best Buy store. And I loved it. I did everything from the cashier, the customer service to uh, my last job there was answering the phones. It was a brand new position they called uh, a sales operator. Um, and I did a couple projects with corporate. And when I graduated, they were like, well, well," they? They told me before I graduated, hey, when you graduate, you can come up here. And um, so that's what I did. I graduated. and I was up here a month later.
0: Okay, so yeah. you you came up for work. You were at Best Buy at the time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, and w- was there any amount of culture shock for you coming from uh, the probably warmer, much more warm flat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there?
1: it was. I mean, culture shock, as in like it was a totally different. Like, like it everything looked different. Everything looked older. You know mm. what I mean? Um, everybody's houses were. They, I lived in St. Paul, by the way. I lived off West 7th Street in a cute little house that was right next to my roommate's grandparents. And the grandma actually grew up in the house that we lived in. Mm. And um, the pa- the mom and dad of the roommate actually lived the street over or so. So it was just a very close-knit community, but it just felt like really like Old timey, and I don't know, something about it seemed very dated, you know? Um, But it was also, I was in St. Paul, and so that's what I assumed it was, you know? But um, as I got to know um, Minneapolis, well, the Twin Cities as a whole, it, it was more like, okay, so these parts of the city, like downtown Minneapolis is just like downtown Atlanta, like very similar in certain ways. I love that we had camp, sprawling campuses like the U of M reminded me a lot of Georgia Tech. It was like its own campus, like sprawling within the city and things like that. All of those things looks familiar to me. And so that's what I kind of contributed to home. But there was also like this really, like old, gray, dark feeling I had about St. Paul when I first moved there. Not in a bad way, it just was a different way. So that was really a shock to me. The second shock was definitely the amount of people of color here. I didn't see tons of people that look like me, and I was also really surprised by the amount of like Somali folks that were here. And it really intrigued me. I was like, why did they come here? Like of all places, Minnesota. You know what I mean? But I just, you know, learned some so much and learn about the like rich cultures of a lot of folks here. And so that was a shock because I honestly only thought, oh, there are only white people here. But I got here and I realized, no, it's not. It's it's a you know a lot of people of color here and you know it's a melting pot of cultures and so that was another like shock to me but it was it was a welcome shock because it really you know getting to grow and get to know like more folks different from how you grew up and how you Mm -hmm. look or what you do is is really great for like you know the soul like as you grow right
0: Mm -hmm. i remember that it was probably 20 years ago, but I think it was Chris Rock that in, in one of his stand-ups mm-hmm. said basically that like Minnesota's all white people. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't, it was like Prince. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, there's definitely, uh, definitely in the city, in the cities more so, more diversity obviously, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people different experiences and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something I definitely am grateful for now mm-hmm. here, here 20 years later. But uh, I, I would imagine that it's different you know, depending on where you're coming from, where you're going, that kind of thing. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really super grateful to live in a place where everybody doesn't look like me because I get to kind of um, be like... I mean, I, I don't want to be anybody's token, obviously, but I mean, if I need to educate um, my peers who might be different race than me on certain issues, I if I have the... I was about to say, if I have the spoons, you ever heard the spoon theory? Like if I have the spoons, but I mean like um, if I have the emotional label to share that, you know, with folks, I'm more than willing to. Hmm. And if I'm not, you know, I'm just like, can you Google this? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's really great.
0: Let's, let's talk a little bit about just the time you've been here. Uh, in Minnesota, what you you came here for work, and mm-hmm. um, now you've been here for six ish years or so. Mm-hmm. What has it been like? T- tell me a little bit about your experience and what you've been working on. And-
1: I consider it home, definitely a second home. If I'm going to be here another five or ten years, I don't know that. But as of right now, I feel comfortable having roots here and making a living here, and you know, starting my business here. Like everything feels right here. I don't know if I could have done any of this when I was in Atlanta or anywhere else. I feel like there's something. I was definitely meant to be here at this time and to do this. My pen company is called OMGG LLC because I'm OMGG. And basically I collected pens for a good amount of my childhood. And then fast forward to... A few years ago, I was um, I was sick and in the hospital healing, and some friends gifted me some pop culture pins, and I saw them and I was like, oh, this is great, and I immediately reverted back to something that made me happy as a kid, you know, which was um, collecting pins. And so when I was a kid, I was always collecting um, Disney pins or pins and badges and buttons from concerts that I couldn't attend, um, and most. Like, you know, uh, mainly prints um, like Janet Jackson, things like that um, were definitely the main ones that I collected. Um, you know, I I just really loved them. They were a way for me to have a piece of the Disney experience, maybe that concert experience without me actually being able to go because I couldn't, obviously. And um, you know, it was just something I really liked as a kid. So being sick and kind of reverting back to something that was really familiar was really comforting to me because I didn't really have a lot of control over my health then and even now. And um, I have control over that, collecting. And I really love collecting everything. But pins were really special to me because they were little itty bitty pieces of art and I could wear them or I could put them on a purse. They start a conversation. They're really great. I just really like them a lot. And so um I started the the pin company because I thought I can collect these pins and if, if it's so easy to collect them, I can make them too. I can design or get a commission design, pay someone to design it, put it into production, and sell it to other folks who might like it. And that's exactly what I did. It was like turning a hobby into an actual, like, thing. It, like, it worked, you know, and um, I'm extremely, like, happy with how it turned out. And and I feel like it's it's definitely going in the right direction, and I want to do... More, um, and I've only it hasn't even been two years yet, so it feels really good where I am right now, and I want to keep you know going Mm
0: -hmm. for context for those that might be wondering about the pin. Mm -hmm. This is like the enamel pin with like designs on it that you could pin onto a bag, right? Like that Mm -hmm. kind of design. Um, what was the first pin that you sold?
1: (laughs) The first. I sold was um, a Prince-inspired pin based on the gold First Avenue star. That was the first pin I put into production because I did not see it anywhere in all of the fan art pins. And I knew the story behind the gold star and the artist who made it gold. It seemed really special and unique, and, and the gold star was just so amazing just thinking about this huge black wall of stars and they're all silver and they're all these incredible um, musicians who have walked through those doors and who have played that stage, but Prince, he's the only gold one. And First Ave could have turned that back silver, but they didn't. They, um, I think they knew the significance of it and just how many folks flocked to that star to take photos after it and how it's become its own thing. And so I made that into a pin, and that was my first pin I ever sold. And I thought, oh, I just shared the link on Twitter, and I thought, oh, my friends will buy it. They'll support me. And then um, I was sold out by the end of that day. It just, it took off. And I sold a couple hundred more that week. It just, it was insane. Like, I never expected that. I had to play catch up, you know, like had to be like, well, so what do I do now? How am I going to ship all these things, you know? And uh, so it was, it was really fun. It took off.
0: (laughs) It's such a creative pursuit. I mean, you're coming up with ideas for new pins all the time and you're sort of tapped in. And I remember when we first met up, uh I remember speaking with you and just seeing that you were so well connected to understanding like where culture was going
1: mm-hmm.
0: and making that right like creating yeah. that in tandem with seeing where things were going. How do you how do you come up with new ideas for pins. How do you like foster that creativity?
1: Well, I'm inspired by a lot of things. I'm inspired by a lot of people of color, like makers and doers and creatives and musicians and all that stuff. My main influence for a lot of things that I do all the time, every single day, is Prince. He always has been. Um, I always knew I was different and unique, and that it was okay to be different and unique because there's this, you know, guy running around with like curls in his hair <laughs> and his butt out. Like I thought, that's incredible. Like he's free to be himself, and I'm free to be myself. And you know being a different kid, a different black kid and seeing another kid, another person look like you be different on TV as well was super encouraging to me. It made me think outside the box and never want to be confined to, you know, what people thought of me. Um, I also gained inspiration from women, tons of women, um, like Beyonce, namely, duh. And (laughs) I mean, just, you know, um, you know, Like, I love, like, current, like, rappers and stuff like Cardi B, but also love, like, Lil' Kim and stuff like that drag queens drag culture gay culture really inspires me mm. um i've learned so much from the queer folks in my life and i give back to that community when i can and however i can be it with time be it with money um i donate a percentage of my pins to Outfront minnesota because they mean a lot to me and they do really incredible work and i want to be a part of that and I'm learning so much I'm that ne- I'm never not learning um, and one of my main sources of inspiration is the folks that buy them I mean they buy these pins and you know mainly I I make a lot of Prince inspired pins now like they're inspired by him by a song but it's my original art mm. um, they might be inspired by lyrics or you know something like that and then a fan will tell me, hey, have you ever heard this song? It's similar to this and this. And no, maybe I haven't heard that song. I, I've never heard every single Prince song. I, I know people have, but like personally, I haven't. And I'm okay with that because every time I hear a new song by him, it's like hearing the first song I ever heard by him for the first time. It's incredible, right? And so um, it's really... Um, encouraging for people to reach out to me and say hey I like this pen but could you make a pen that says this or have you ever heard this song maybe you can make a pen based off that something like that because uh they're always like if they like the fact that I made one pen one way and they're encouraging me to kind of seek out another way that's really kind of cool it's it's like they can keep that opinion to themselves, but they're just like, Hey, maybe Gigi would be interested in that. And I am, you know, I want to know. i I'm, you know, infatuated with what they think. I want them to like what I'm doing. I want them to know that everything I do comes from a pace, place of, like, love and respect. And I, I'm not just out here shelling a bunch of, like, love symbol pins or, like, his face on a bunch of stuff, you know. Mm. I just I um, want to make it special. I want to make it unique. I want to make it an obscure reference that they get and another fan sees it And they're like, oh, my God. I remember where I was in 1978. You know, like like that conversation, you know, like that, like opening up the floodgates for like that, you know, kind of memories to flow for people. And just based on a pin that they spotted, that's really kind of incredible. Um, Every single week we have the drag brunches with flip phone. And every single week we have a different theme. And that's how I'm able to learn about different uh, fandoms that I don't know anything about and be and dig into it and be super creative with what I bring to the table. Um, because Chad, the producer, um, he lets me make a pen, sell it at the brunch, and then that's how I do 10% of my sales every single weekend back to out front. Um, and uh, so I'll be able to for example, the best one is um ABBA, you know, like I remember as a kid, there was a, a band called A-Teens, and apparently they did ABBA covers, I don't remember a lot of that, but I remember their original songs, and they were based off ABBA, um, and so a Mama Mia brunch came, and we had the ABBA brunch, and these people were screaming the songs, they were just Just, I mean, it was something I'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I made pins based on the movie, different quotes from the movie, and they loved it. But then, like, I was listening to these songs, and Chad was like, yeah, we should really do ABBA brunch again. And I'm like, yes, you do, because now I'm listening to these songs, and I really (laughs) want to do pins about the songs. Because I don't know if they sell any other way, but getting inspiration from those shows and those queens who put these looks together and they work really hard on that. And um, these are that's a business, that's a queer-owned business, and I I gain a lot of inspiration from that. Like I like I mentioned before.
0: Tell me about about uh, drag brunch and what that is, what it's all about, and how you got involved with it.
1: A few years ago, I was writing for Trois magazine. I was doing the What's What every single. Um, week and i really um loved writing up about the parties especially the gay ones because i thought those were the best ones obviously so everything from like girl scout to like um to to the flip phone parties that were at honey and the flip phone parties always had a really incredible theme like britney bash or (laughs) or short shorts i mean it was just all kinds of things they had a um you know golden girls you know dance parties all kinds of like silly things so drag brunch itself is is not new by any means i mean i guess these like other bars have been doing it for quite some time in the cities um or doing little pop-up brunches right and um other places do it like in new york it's a big thing it's like impossible to get a table at some of these places um, in Atlanta it's also a thing like my mom really likes it <laughs> and so here the first drag brunch that flip phone did was Beyonce brunch it was bay and eggs <laughs> and so we went to that we loved it and so Chad started doing other pop-up brunches you know um, of Beyonce and then other themes and things like that I can't describe it you can expect drag queens singing Songs and it being really amazing like I really can't describe it it's so it's like nothing like you've ever seen before if you've ever been to a drag show think about that but then also while you're um eating I mean while you're Looking at the show You're also eating An incredible breakfast You're also drinking mimosas You're drinking rose Frosé Whatever you want People are walking around With shots You know (laughs) I mean it's a lot of things Going on It's really hard to describe Um, You know You're tipping dollars Everybody's getting their money I mean it's incredible sounds like an experience you have to go to experience i really can't describe it if i described it and you went and you'd be like what she didn't mention this exactly because that's what it's it's indescribable yeah
0: so i'd love to know for other folks who are interested in like e-commerce or interested in starting something that they're passionate about what advice might you give someone who's who's looking to start something?
1: If you're just looking to start something, honestly, just do it. Do it. You don't have to have everything figured out. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be seamless. You're going to learn so much more as you go on. I think my whole thing was thinking I have to have this. I have to have this, this, and this, and this, and this before I get ready. And I didn't. I kind of had all that. And then when everything got running, I needed more. You know what I mean? It's just something will always come up. And you just have to focus on staying true to what you're trying to present to people and what you're trying to sell to people. And then also treat these people um, with respect and Ship their stuff out in a timely manner, you know, complete their services in a timely manner, whatever it is, Um, just treat them how you want to be treated. I mean, I worked in retail for a while and I felt really good about how great of a customer service like advocate I was and still am. And I know what I expect from big companies. And I don't always expect that from small businesses. But I want people to shop with me and to know, like, they can expect that kind of service from me. And sometimes it really takes them off guard. They're like, wow, you know, I can't, you know. And then sometimes they're like, well, you know, they're demanding the same kind of service they would get from Amazon from me and they don't know I'm one person. And I'm like, yeah, so it's going to be a little different here. <laughs> we can make this work, but, you know, we don't have prime shipping around here. So, <laughs> you know, like it's just letting go of all the what ifs and just doing it, you know? I mean, you don't really have anything to lose. Let's give it a go. I I just extremely blessed that it kind of happened this way. I was able to turn something I'm super passionate about into a business for me, and I, I honestly feel like anybody can do that.
0: I don't know that anyone can do that, but I do also believe that anyone can do that.
1: You know I know what, what I mean? you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I think it's like. What are you expecting to gain from your business? You know what I mean? Like if you wanna make if you wanna start a business and you're like, I wanna make this much money and this okay, maybe you on a whole different like system than I am because all I wanna do was sell some ten dollar pens. You know what I mean? And I honestly had it in my head, Oh my god, my friend's gonna buy it, you know. <laughs> I like my friends, like, you know, the first 10 orders. And I was like, hype. I was like, yes. Oh, my God. I'm so good. And then the minute they hit like 100 pence sold, I was like, wait, what? wait. And all the emails, hey, can you restock it? Hey, can you restock it? And I'm like, oh, my God, my manufacturer don't come in till midnight my time. So, i oh my God, what do I tell these people right now, you know? And then I got a wholesale request on my first day. What is wholesale? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? It's kind of like I had no expectations and got and received an incredible gift. I think when people go into it and they have – super high expectations, you know, it's really easy to kind of like, feel like you let yourself down or you're failing the system. Just go into it and know that you're offering something that nobody else is. I honestly feel like every time I make a new pin, I don't want to do something that's already out there. Generally, I, I Google certain words, like, for example, I just did the Kermit, the evil Kermit. Pin With the hood, yes. <laughs> so I looked around, I looked up Meme Kermit, um, Bad Kermit, Evil Kermit. Um, I didn't see this pin, um, but I did see the one where he's drinking tea. Mm-hmm. So I thought, none, <laughs> of, my, none <laughs> of my business, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, since I thought, well, I'll make this for brunch and then put it on my website if I think other people might want it. And um, so that's exactly what I did. You know, I just I, I just went for it. I didn't see anybody else was doing it. But even if I did see another pen company do it, I would think, well, how can I make mine better? You know, and so that's. I always think I'm doing something that nobody else is doing, even if they're on the other side of the world doing it. And I don't know their name or their company's name and they're doing the exact same thing as me in my head. There's nobody out here doing what I'm doing. And I and I go into every situation like that. Like name another pin maker in Minneapolis that, you know you don't know any yeah okay so i i I honestly don't know any i know like one or two folks that sell at the future you know where i um pick up a couple part-time shifts and i think they've got really great pins and i buy them and i'm like obsessed with them i follow them on instagram i'm like oh my god this other person is making pins out of like their little crystal gems how did they come up with that? You know what I mean, and and I'm all about that crystal life, and I would never make a crystal pen. It's just it wasn't on my radar, but it was on theirs, and it made me so happy, you yeah. know. And I'm like another local maker. This is bomb. Oh my god, I love it. Right, and I feel like nobody's doing crystal pens like that in Minneapolis. So that person, I don't even know this person. I only know them on Instagram and their pens that they sell. But I feel like they just hit a, a super like what's the word neat niche yeah 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 so and then same thing with me who was out there making exclusively only making Prince pins because that's how I started was only prince pins. Who was out there making nothing but Prince pins before me? Nobody. Not nobody I know. They were always making one Prince pin, and it was always one with him with pancakes, which is cute. Oh, the pancakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or one with him in his Purple Rain outfit, Mm -hmm. which is also cute. Or the love symbol. When I first started, I never made the love symbol. Didn't want to touch it because of trademark stuff. But then, as I got more comfortable, and people kept demanding, oh, "I want a love symbol. I want a love symbol." I'd say, "You can buy that anywhere, right? Why would you want that from me?" And then they're like, "Why well, like your pins?" And I was like, "That's going back to that point where I say they're a part of my greatest inspiration because they're telling me things that I would never have thought about my own, you know, mm-hmm. myself." So I make a love symbol, but I make it um, I design it in a way that nobody's ever made it as a rainbow enamel, which is kind of new and nobody uses it. So I do it that way. And then I put it on a tambourine, which were very synonymous with prints, things like that. Now, the hammer came down on those. But the point is, I did it and nobody else was doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what makes what I do unique. I always go out into anything that I do by saying no one else is doing what i'm doing and i think that motivates me to keep being better because um the moment i get comfortable is the moment that i just fade into oblivion and people be like why i want a pin? i make them special i make them unique i love the reactions I get from folks when they buy it from me, it, it, it hasn't gotten old yet. So mm-hmm. I feel like if you're out there with the same passion for something like I have, you gotta just do it because the more you sit there and think about it and like marinate on it, it'll just like fly right out of your hands or somebody else will do it before you get to it.
0: Mm-hmm. There's an amazing quote from, I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic and it's kind of this, a little more of a woo-woo idea around creativity and business. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it was that if, if you have an idea and something comes to you and you don't execute on it, that idea will leave you and go to someone else.
1: Absolutely.
0: It will find someone else to act on it. And yeah. then they will, and then you'll see it a year later or however long later, and you'll go, ah, it like – it's this kind of spiritual view of ideas and creativity and, and stuff like that. But I really like that because in a way it, it adds a bit of a sense of urgency to the the inspirations we get, the ideas mm-hmm. we have, that kind of like stuff. Like
1: to act on them, you know? Uh, I feel like a lot of – I'm very intuitive um, and I, I like to consider myself a mystic and so I do get – like premonitions about stuff that should happen in my life. Not about other people. I don't care about other people, but just me, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I get premonitions about what should happen in my life. I have seen things before it happens, and I don't want to lose out on anything that could possibly be mine because I am disabled. I have chronic pain. I have been in and out of the hospital a good amount of my life. I don't want to lose out on any of these opportunities because I feel like if it popped into my head, it's already mine. I just need to claim it. And so going back to that quote that you mentioned you know, if we don't claim these ideas and make them ours and make them solely unique to us and like act on them and do it, it will go to somebody else, you know? Um, and it's not always a thing, you know what I mean? Do you make, that makes sense? It's not always like something that's just going to be great and, and generate money. It could be anything, you know what I mean? Mm. It just anything that pops up you act on it or you don't and you deal with the consequences of not doing it period
0: there are consequences whether you do it or whether you don't
1: absolutely yeah like i um my my job is i mean like i work for myself but i'm never not working and i would say that's the one thing i wish i could kind of get a grasp on and I'm almost at the point where I can get a grasp on it coming up in January or um, early February because I'm going to have access to um, studio space to move all my pins and shippings to the future shop in South Minneapolis it's going to be great for me. I'm going to have my apartment back. I'm going to have my life back. I'm going to be able to have that work-life balance that people people keep talking about. (laughs) Like, whatever that is. um, I'm going to be able to get so much more done personally and professionally because I'm going to have that detachment. And I feel like that's going to make me a better um, creative person Mm -hmm. because I... um, I'm never not thinking about pen ideas ever. You know, I'm never not thinking about, you know, little designs. I get a little bit too into my creative process and before I know it I realize, "Oh, I got, you know, 20 orders to ship and I'll ship 20 orders and mess up 5." That's not okay. I am all over the place, you know. I'm distracted and <laughs> I need I need to get back, you know, that focus, you know, cuz um it's really easy to like lose yourself in certain parts of the business, you know, and I really want to get back on track where I was when I did have kind of like a set schedule and I wasn't so overwhelmed with everything.
0: Yeah, uh, this is w- one recurring thread that seems to come up with entrepreneurs that I talk to, mm-hmm. uh, that the, especially when working from home, uh, Amy and I have had struggles with this as well that the idea with this is that when you own your own business you have flexibility and you can work whenever you want and you just that's a you put a big x through that and it's like no you end up thinking about it all the time you live in it like this is you know our bedroom is a room over you know like we're in the office right now Mm -hmm. and this is where we work and, and there's just all of these, uh, aspects of this that you don't expect yeah. and y- you have to create a new sort of structure around. And we've really, I've personally, I'll speak for myself. I've really struggled to create that structure consistently. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm working on myself. Um, is there, is there anything that you do? Um, I'd love to talk about kind of any form of like routines and different things like that, but, mm-hmm. um, First, is there anything that you do to help mitigate that now that you don't quite have that separation? And are there things you do to like get through that?
1: Well, I, um, you know, very recently moved about a month ago. And so that was a 500 square foot apartment and I was drowning in pens everywhere they were everywhere i had storage things a pins with little trays everywhere i had a system but it was my system and it was kind of a mess but it was a controlled mess right And so, um, I had to move. And so, in moving, I shut the site down. I was like, I'm not shipping during all this stuff. So, I reopened. And um, the way I set the pins up in the new place, my apartment, for just right now until we move to the future, is the same little trays everywhere, but these Ziploc bags everywhere. I mean, boxes full of pins, boxes everywhere. Because I'm also unpacking. And once again, it's a controlled mess. But... The one thing I have control over that I I can't really control that right now because there's so many things happening is a routine, which I've shared with you before. I ship at night. I pack that bag of orders. It sits by the door. I get up. I get up just like I would and go anywhere else. I take, you know... I don't get lazy and gross and like not and skip a shower every few days. <laughs> but like I have to take that shower. I have to get ready. I have to be on. I go to my PO box. I drop off. I go to the bank. I make a deposit. I go to um <clears throat> I go to Starbucks and the donut place and get my donut. Having that routine, having that that same thing I do before noon. Monday through Friday helps me so much. It feels like getting up and going to work. It feels like doing these things. And um, I also have a co-working space. So when I do need time to get things done, I make it a point um, to go to the co-working space. Part of my routine is—I don't know if everybody can do this—but I am carless. I don't have a car. I do um, am exclusively bus or lift only, but bus, light rail, and lift only. And I do all of this stuff via, you know, the bus line and, and light rail, no matter the season. Um, So everything for me is located downtown because that's where I lived up until a month ago. And I'm talking, I was on 16th in Portland, and I would go down to 8th and Marquette, and that's my post office. And then I walk up Nicolette Mall and go to my bank and do everything else right on Nicolette Mall. And at the very end of Nicolette Mall, you could... Turn uh on. Go to Hennepin on the first street. That's my co-working space. Every single thing I needed was right there in a the one mile, not even a mile radius. Mm-hmm. Every single thing at my fingertips that made structure in my life. Now I just moved to another neighborhood, and there there is no difference in the structure. It's actually a bit more simple now. It's um it's helped me a great deal because escaping my apartment were. It's overflowing with pins and having that um, structure really helps me because it lets me know I'm not drowning. I am still getting shit done and I'm doing it like as efficient as I possibly can, you know. And I keep telling myself it's going to be better, it's going to be better, it's going to be better. Just give it a few weeks, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now with the whole process. But during this whole thing, one thing hasn't changed and that's my system. And I swear by it, like, it's how I get things done. Because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't get anything done. It's really easy to be lazy and kind of slip into this, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And before you know it, it's Friday. And we have, or no, for me, Thursday, because that's when my weekend starts, because we have flip phone events starting on a Thursday. We'll have a dry cleaning on a Thursday night, We'll have brunches all day Saturday. I might have a pop-up on Sunday. And before you know it, I've lost my whole week and I've lost all this time to do what I needed to do. And it's Monday and I'm a week behind on orders or I'm a week behind on getting an order in or I didn't card a wholesale order in time and what if they cancel it, you know? It's just so many things. So as long as you keep, for me, I can only speak for myself, as long as I keep my system I feel together.
0: <laughs> the, the system is something, systems are, are tough uh, mm-hmm. in that they can be very effective. Sometimes they're really hard to create. I've specifically worked on making systems for to-do lists and different things. Mm-hmm. And, and I have found that you can, well, again, I'll speak for myself. I can reduce my own stress when I can trust A system Mm -hmm. when I can just trust the system to do what it needs to do to remind me of things when I need to Mm -hmm. know when they are and it can be really helpful um, to to just have that stuff set up but when there's no structure in place it makes it even more challenging to create those effectively if it's not your strong point
1: I mean also we're talking as folks who don't have a nine-to-five who also don't have, like, kids Mm -hmm. and other things to wrangle around. Um, So, I mean, this works for us, like, having, you know, certain things to do. But, like, I wonder, you know, what that looks like for other people. Like, what am I doing to, like, add to my system to make me more sane, you know? Because, oh, I was going to mention, when I do all my, my stuff, I rely on seeing those same faces every day at those places to help me get through the day. And I know it might sound weird, but like, I rely on my UPS ladies and them greeting me and saying, hey, how are you doing? Because if you think about it, that's the first person that's talked to me in maybe days, like face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That means a lot to me. Um, seeing my Starbucks barista, seeing my donut um folks like my UPS folks that means a lot to me I have to have that that communication because b- before you know like I've gone days without talking to people like I I really like I love that and when they don't see me for a few days they do worry like I had a bunch of packages piled up at my P.O. box and they're like where's Gigi at we were wondering did you not have orders to drop off and I'm like You know, like, having people, like, you know, concerned about you and what you're doing and things like that, it's, you know, um, it, like, makes you motivated to keep doing it, to keep up with your system. I wake up some mornings knowing I'm going to see, you know, Miss Vanna, Miss Joan today, uh, Miss Jill today, and I'm going to have a good day. And, you know, they're going to tease me about all the stuff I ordered online, and then, you know, and then we're going to laugh about it, and then we're going to go to Candyland, and I'm going to get some Chocolate covered gummy bears mm-hmm. and and a root beer and I'm gonna go on about my day. You know, it just feels good having those reliable pieces of your puzzle because we always can't rely on a lot of things. You know, um, but this system, as long as I trust it, like you mentioned, like when you say when you trust yours, as long as I trust my system, I can rely on at least one thing happening and that's me getting my stuff done that day Mm -hmm. and i always try and do it before noon because i feel like a lot of things get done before noon because people are at work and then i'll have the rest of my day to do whatever i want and if that form of self-care means watching you know nothing but svu the rest of the day then that's what it is and at least i got everything done before noon you know and and then I can take care of whatever else I need to.
0: Um, what are some things or the underlying themes of things that that motivate you, that keep you motivated to like keep creating, keep staying organized, doing this stuff?
1: To keep creating is people buying it, people loving what I'm doing. Um, what also motivates me is just um, when people tell me that I can't do something anymore, it makes me even more creative. They say, you can't do that anymore. You can't use this anymore. You you can't, um, you know, do that. It makes me really think outside the box. It forces me. Um, and it's a pain in the ass, but it's also like, thank you. Uh-huh. And so that's, you know, where creating comes in. It motivates me to keep going and um, making a, a profit from this business because um i give back to a lot of like organizations and stuff in the city and i can't do that without a successful business and i want to keep doing that because i just you know gain so much from these communities and they're doing really good work that nobody else is doing and i want to give back you know and so if i want to be a philanthropist, and I want to live in that legacy, which is also an inspiration to Prince, you know, kind of donating and moving in silence in that way. I can't do that without having the funds, right? Um, Also motivating me is just the opportunities to like do well and be able to support myself without the help of my, um, my family, you know, because, like I mentioned before, I am, you know, disabled, and I, um, really can't work a nine-to-five anymore, you know. It's just not in the cards for me. So being able to support myself with something like this while I can't work a nine-to-five or a, quote, regular job um, can kind of set me and make me give a comfortable living for myself without worrying about, you know, where rent is or where this is, you know that motivates me too, just to stay comfortable and then not have to worry my mom or my grandparents for money or anything. My grandpa also motivates me not in anything that he really does or says, you know, it's just, he was the person who gave me 700 bucks to make, start my business. And when I was able to pay him back within the month, I knew I hit something special and I'll never like forget that and so it motivates me to keep going because I know people who believe in me and just blindly b- um blindly give me money to like you want to make pens? Okay, whatever, here. You know? And like like what? <laughs> and like even after I gave him the uh the money back, he was like, "Wow, you know, I never thought I'd see that again." And I was like, "Yeah, me neither." <laughs> and then he says um so Gigi, so tell me, what what are pins? <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> they're these little things, you know? And so at that point, he really wanted to know, like, what are you doing? And so that really motivates me, too. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm just super grateful to wake up every day. And I want to do something that I love with every day, you know? Because, uh there'll be a day where, you know, none of us will wake up, and I want to say I did, I like, I did what I wanted, and it used to be, I used to want to say, I was a success, I was a great, you know, wife and mother, and da-da-da-da, and I don't know where the change came from, where it was like, all I wanted to do was just be a badass, and like, do what I want, but it came, and now I'm like, that's all I want to do. I just want to be me. I only care about me and my mama, <laughs> and I wanna, I wanna like make her happy. I, I, love my friends, my girlfriends. We're out here doing stuff. We're being awesome. I wanna like party every weekend, like positively, like party with these people every weekend. That these folks that come to flip phone. I want to be happy and grateful for what I have already without wanting anything else, like I claim abundance in what I'm doing right now, and it's all in my hands. I just have to like make it happen. you know what I mean mm-hmm. i just that's always how I think about stuff now, and it used to not be that way, so that's why I'm like that now.
0: Mm-hmm. What caused the change
1: i like i I know what caused it, but like I don't know when that that flip happened, but Uh, I was sick, and then uh, I just knew I didn't have any more time to waste on a shitty job and shitty people in my personal life. I just, no, uh uh-uh. I just just had to do it. I guess that's another reason why I'm so, like, I wanted to do it, so I did it. Because, you know, we all aren't promised a lot of time. And with my time, I'm not working a nine to five, but I volunteer. I give back monetary wise if I can't volunteer. Time and money. That's what these nonprofits need. And if you can't give money, they want your time. And if you can't give time when you do have five bucks, give your money. But if you can't do either one of those, talk about them. And so that's why I always talk them up. I mean, flip phone isn't a non um, a nonprofit, but, you know, the other folks I work with, too, like still kick in and stuff. So I do I give back um, whenever I can just being able to, like, curate my own destiny in a way where I can give back um, during times where, like, business like, might be slow. I can go a whole week without getting orders. Well, you're not sitting at home packing nothing. Well, you probably need to go down to the out front office and see what they need you to do. You know, so things like that. Yeah.
0: Do you believe in the idea of manifesting, of, of the idea of like being positive about something, believing yourself to have it and then having it come true somehow? Or, or is that counter to, to something?
1: I mean, that is true. I do, do believe that wholeheartedly. But I also believe that you can have those thoughts and also as long as you're very real about the aspect that very negative things can happen too, It's totally okay to go into something like that. I only had positive thoughts about my very first pin, right, the star. I knew people would love it. I knew people would like, they would, you know, I knew my friends would buy it. I didn't know all these people would love it. I felt like it would grow on people over time. I did not know the extremely positive that would sell out within a day. I did not know I would sell a few hundred more before I had to stop. And I had to stop and that was the negative I didn't see. I never thought, oh wow, first app might not like this. (laughs) Never thought about that, Mm -hmm. ever. They told me uh, to take it down and I was like, you're just mad because I made it. And I took it very personal. And they were like, Gigi, we know you're not like, we know like you're not that kind of person but we're just kindly asking you, do you mind not selling it? And I was like, okay. So I, (laughs) I like chilled out and I was like, I get it. Did but first, I see
0: it as their like intellectual property or something. Or I some guess there- I
1: don't know. I never read those emails. All I saw was, "Can you please stop selling?" And I was like, "That's rude." <laughs> and I had, at the time obviously I didn't have a lawyer to like talk for me, but I was just like, "Well, I guess okay," because once again, I do I know them. I don't wanna be on anybody's bad side. They're great people. I mean, they must have a reason. And if they told me to stop, I was already a few hundred orders in. I was like, well, I'm gonna process the rest of these orders and sell the rest of my inventory and in and I'm done. And I was done and duplicates pop up all around and but everybody knows my start. Everybody asks about it to this day. And that was nearly two years ago. Wow. Yeah, and um, yeah, never to be sold again. I never sold it again. Um, because they did ask me and I respect them a ton. So they said stop and I did. That was the negative I saw. When all I'm thinking is positive, positive, positive. All these things are happening for me. This is great. I'm going to, oh my God, I can't wait for this, that and the other. And I'm just going to keep selling this pin. I'm going to wholesale it to so many people. And then bam, that was a negative. So as long as you have like that vision and then know something could come up, you know. Um, and it did. But that was also a blessing in disguise because they told me to stop, but people were so intrigued by that one pin. They were following, my, they were like signing up for my mailing list, they wanted to know more. They wanted to know what are you doing next? And so that was a blessing. That first pin got everybody talking about my my like um, little company and it kind of just mm-hmm. took off.
0: All right, well, if, if you're ready, uh, we can do a question from the bowl. So these are questions that have been provided by previous guests. A couple started out, you might get one from from uh, Amy and me. When we started out, we did a bunch of questions to get things going. But uh, if you want to draw one, you can dump it out. If you don't mind just reading the question and yeah. the name of the person that left the question.
1: So BTT wrote this, so it was you or Amy. All right. What does balance mean to you? Balance like in life or work or just in general?
0: That's an open question, yeah.
1: Doing what I want, what makes me feel good, that's healthy for me and also within my means while also doing the work to like better myself and take care of myself, the work that I need to do, right? Because I feel like with me, I'm all about, I I try to be all about positivity and self-care and all that stuff, but I mean... You could I mean, the way I see self care, I mean, you could I could literally like self care myself in the debt, so I better chill, right? So it's just like looking out for self, um looking out for others, um, making sure you're doing the work um within yourself, not living um, above your means, and being completely honest with yourself. All of that goes in conjunction together, like I, to me. And I feel like that's true balance for me anyway. Because I mean, I don't have like people, I don't have like kids dependent on me. I don't have a partner dependent on me for nothing. It's just me. So I like take care of this body and I got to keep it together and keep it alive and walking around and talking and, every, and everything every day. So I'm only focused on me personally. But I know that I am a part of a village that's like bigger and that me and all my friends, like all my homegirls, everybody I care about, we all have emotional labor to share amongst each other. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that's what I see as balance is doing the work within myself, being together and making sure everything is, you know, Good, yeah. But also um, when you need it, relying on your support system, which will be like the family I've um, created here.
0: So, Gigi, where can people find you online and, and your business and what you do?
1: Well, um, personally, I'm at underscore OMGG, another underscore, that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then um, my pins, everything, Minneapolis sound, um, I'm talking everything from Prince to Sheila E. to Jellybean Johnson, all that stuff. All those inspired pins are on CherryMoonPress.com. And that's also the at Cherry Moon Press. And anything Minnesota-related, pop culture-related, any of that stuff, any of the pins I've ever sold at a drag brunch or a drag show or a flip phone event, those are all at the Minnesota pins. And it's theminnesotapens.com and at theminnesotapens on Instagram.
0: Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure to have you in. Thanks so much for joining me for the podcast. All right. And that concludes my conversation with Gigi. If you enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a huge help to get the word out about podcasts like this one. I would greatly appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.